0: Good morning, church. Thank you for allowing me to come into your home for the message this morning. We've been doing this series entitled Rekindling Our Hearts. If there was ever a time for our lights to be burning bright and our hearts to be set on fire, it is now. This whole series is designed to take a look at some of the kings in the southern kingdom to see the positive and the negative effects that they had on Israel. Today we're going to take a look at the 8th king in Judah. His name is Joash. And Joash is, is an exciting story. It's, 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 it's a fascinating story. And I just want to share with you as it starts in 2 Kings chapter 11, verse 21. Listen to what the word of God says about this 8th king. Who reigned for 40 years? It says, Joash or Jehoash, same person, Jehoash or Joash, was seven years old when he began to reign. Now, you must be sitting at home scratching your head thinking, how can someone who is seven years old be king? Well, I just want to share some background. Now, this is going to be a little tedious. So just bear with me for a few moments. But as I share this background, you're going to be encouraged because you'll see how God is in control of all things. And, and perhaps you're home today in amidst a situation that you need to be reminded that God is in control. Well, just listen to the story of Joash. The whole problem began in Israel when Israel wanted to become like other nations. And they wanted a king. Of course, we know the story so well. Saul became their king, and he messed up. And David, as a little boy, was anointed as king, and he had to wait his time. But there was something about very special about David. The thing about David was, we know that in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says that a shoot from the stump of Jesse will arise. We know that God promised a Messiah our Messiah, from the lineage of David. Now, follow with me to see how God has been in control. After David's reign, his son Solomon becomes reign, uh, reigns. And then after Solomon's death, Rehoboam becomes king, his son. Now, Rehoboam didn't listen to the advisors and raise taxes. Well, this started a revolt where Jehoabram Jehoab- uh, got ten tribes to revolt And they started their own kingdom. Now we have the divided kingdom. You have the northern kingdom called Israel, the ten tribes under Jeroboam. And then you have the southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin, under Rehoboam. Now if you follow down through Rehoboam's lineage, you'll come to Jehoshaphat as he was king. And on the other side, on the northern side, the northern kingdom, Ahab was king. Well, we read in Second Chronicles chapter 18, verse one, how Jehoshaphat was very wealthy, there was a lot of honor, and he meant well because he wanted to try to bring back the two kingdoms, intertwine them. And it says that he wanted to intertwine them through marriage. So Ahab's daughter, Athaliah, and Jehoshaphat's son, Jehoram, they marry. And they thought that through this marriage, they could unite the two kingdoms. Well, just bear with me. Hold on there. Let me show you how God's in control. After Jehoram passes, uh, their son Ahaziel becomes king. And you'll see on the chart that Ahaziel is the sixth king of Judah. But he only reigned for one year. Why? This is where it gets real interesting. Because if you look on the left-hand side, you'll see that Elijah anoints Jehu. And Jehu was an army commander. And he led a revolt against the royal family of the northern kingdom. And he has the widow of Ahab killed, Jezebel. And he wants to destroy the whole royal family. So the king is killed, Jehoram, as Ahaziah is killed in the southern kingdom. Well, when Athaliah hears that Ahaziah, her son, dies, boy, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. She is her mother's daughter. She wants to become queen. And what she does is, so that no one can threaten the throne, she starts to have a plan to kill all of her sons and all of her grandsons. This is where Josiah comes comes in. Joash comes in, excuse me. Now listen. Here's where God has all things in control. 2 Kings chapter 11 says, Now Athaliah... The mother of Ahaziah saw that her son was dead. And she proceeded to destroy the whole royal family. But Joashiba, the daughter of King Joram, the sister of Ahaziah, took Joash. That would be her nephew, son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the royal princesses who were about to be murdered she put him and his nurse in a bedroom to hide him from Athaliah so he would not be killed. Verse 3 says, he remained hidden with his nurse at the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled the land. Now, how do I know God's in control? Because if Athaliah had fulfilled her plan to kill all of her sons and grandsons, it would have cut off the lineage of David. David's lineage would have been cut off. Therefore, God's promise couldn't be fulfilled. But because of an aunt who was obedient and took Joash and hid him, the royal line was preserved. And through the obedience of that aunt... And God being in control, a Messiah was given to you and I so that he could die and our sins could be forgiven. All because the obedience of one aunt taking her nephew and preserving him. Well, listen to First Kings chapter 12 now. In the seventh year of Jehu, that's the northern kingdom king, Joash becomes king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. His mother was Zibiah, and she was from Beersheba. If you read the story, it's really interesting because at the age of seven, the priest, Jehadiah, brings him out and presents him to Judah as the rightful heir to the throne. And they're all clapping and cheering Long live the king! Long live the king! When Athaliah, his grandmother, hears, she starts yelling, treason, treason. And of course, she is killed. And thus starts the reign of Joash. Now, you would think that Joash is probably most noted for the repairing of the temple and that his kingdom seemed to have such a promising reign. But there are roadblocks hindrances in Joash's reign that we can learn about that prohibited God from pouring out his spirit on them. Let me just share with what I call roadblock number one. It says that Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years that Jehadiah the priest instructed him. Now this is kind of interesting because Jehodiah the priest was a mentor to this, this little boy at seven years old. And I call it follow the leader faith. You see, as long as Jehodiah was there leading Joash, he did okay. Not perfect. He did okay. But what happened was, as he became older, he never personally surrendered himself to God. He, he was a man who had no convictions that his mentor taught him. And we see this in Second Chronicles chapter 23, verse 16. Jehodiah made a covenant that he and the people and the king would be the Lord's people. But never do we see Joash making a covenant. He was just following the leader. And you say, well, give him a break, he's only seven. But we see that Joash never developed convictions of his own. And because he didn't develop his own convictions, because there was no root, we see that he was easily led astray. In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verses 17 and 18, after the death of his mentor, Jehodiah, the officials of Judah came and paid homage to the king. He listened to them. They abandoned the temple of the Lord. That which he rebuilt, he now abandoned and the God of their fathers and worshipped Astaroth Poles and idols. Because there was no conviction in Joash, he was easily led astray. He had this Follow the leader faith. Now, why is this dangerous? Listen, even today, it's okay to be a follower, but it's important you have your own personal relationship and your own convictions because if you don't have your own convictions, there are charismatic leaders who will lead you astray. And if you don't have your own personal relationship with God, I've known people Who have relied on the faith of their mother or the faith of their father or the faith of their grandparents. And when they died, their faith died too. And how many know that it's dangerous that we set our eyes on man and not God. And we have seen throughout history people who have set their eyes on man. And when that man, that leader failed, well, they were destroyed as well. Make sure, as we rekindle our hearts, that our eyes are on God and not man. The second roadblock I see was neglecting the strongholds. The high places, however, were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burnt incense there. Now, you may be saying, what are the high places The high places were altars that were offered and made to pagan gods. And they were taken out of the cities, but up on the mountaintops, up on the hills, they had altars that they would sacrifice to pagan gods, idols. And because Joash, as he became older, didn't have his own personal convictions, he would just allow them to exist. Thus, neglecting the strongholds. You think if he had really committed his life to God and was a man of conviction, he would have had these high places removed. Well, the other thing we see throughout Chronicles and Kings is that the kings used to play on both ends. They actually liked the worship of pagan gods just perhaps in case the God of Israel didn't come through. It was like they had an insurance, po- uh, insurance policy in their back pocket. If the God of Israel doesn't come through, well, maybe one of these pagan gods will come through. And you may be home thinking, well, pastor, how does this apply to us today? Because we don't have high places. No, <laughs> listen, you may not have a high place, but there's many of us who have a hidden place. A hidden place in our life. A hidden place where God is not sovereign. A hidden place that, that we don't want God to see or know about. A stronghold that uh, of bitterness or unforgiveness or anger that we won't allow the Lord to tear down. Or maybe there's a hidden place where we hide our secret sin. Or there's this temptation that we keep flirting with and indulging in. Or maybe there's that plan we have, but we just won't allow God to come in and be a part of it. You see, I I think we may not have high places, but all of us are guilty of having hidden places where we don't want the Lord to be a part of. And God says, man, if you rekindle your heart and and, and if you want my spirit to be poured out, you you can't neglect those hidden places. You can't neglect those strongholds any longer. Well, the third roadblock that I see in the life of Joash that really prevented God from doing all that he wanted to do in Judah at the time was about this time Ahaziah, king of Aram, went up and attacked Gath and captured it. Then he turned and attacked Jerusalem. So here comes the enemy upon Jerusalem, upon Joash's kingdom. And what does Joash do? But Joash, king of Judah, took all the sacred objects dedicated by his father's Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, and Ahaziah, the kings of Judah, and the gifts that he himself had dedicated, and all the gold found in the treasuries of the temple of the Lord in the royal palace, and he sent them to Ahaziah, king of Aram, who then withdrew from Jerusalem. Hello, somebody. Do you see what's happening here? He surrendered that which was sacred to buy off the enemy. And not once, if he had been a man of conviction, if he had been a man who had convicted dedicated his life to God, you'd think this king would have called a prayer meeting. You'd think he would have proclaimed a fast. You'd think he would be praying to God for the enemy to squander, but in call, instead of calling a prayer meeting, we find him surrendering that which is sacred to pay off the enemy to leave. You may say, "Well, Pastor, once again, how does this apply?" Hey, this applies real easy when push comes to shove. What in your life gives way? Is it things that are sacred to the Lord? When the budget is tight, what gets cut? When there's a special event happening on a Sunday morning, (laughs) where do you find yourself? when your schedule's really tight, is it the laundry that waits or is it the Lord that waits? Now, please, please hear me. I'm, I'm not saying that salvation is based upon performance. It's, it's not legalism. I, I'm not saying that. But, but what I'm saying is if we want to rekindle our hearts... And we want a deeper walk with God. And we want His Spirit to pour out upon our lives and upon our community and upon our families and upon our church. We can't expect Him when we're surrendering that which is sacred just out of convenience. What is sacred to Him? Are you surrendering to the enemy? Listen, I believe we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all of our strength. And if we want God to move among us, then all of our resources, our time, our talent, and our treasures... Belong to him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And let's not surrender that which is sacred to the enemy. And the fourth roadblock that I saw was the ignoring the call of repentance. Ignoring the call of repentance. Although the Lord sent prophets. (laughs) Although the Lord sent a pandemic (laughs) to the people. To bring them back to him. And though they testified against them, they would not listen. The Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehadiah, the priest, his, his mentor. He stood before the people and said, this is what God says. Why do you disobey the Lord's commands? You will not prosper because you have forsaken the Lord. He has forsaken you. But then we read on. But they plotted against him. They plotted against Zechariah. And by order of the king, once again, a man with no convictions, by the order of the king, by the order of Joash, they stoned him to death in the courtyard of the Lord's temple. King Joash did not remember the kindness Zachariah's father Jehoadiah had shown to him, but killed his son, who said as he lay dying, may the Lord see this and call you to account. As I was thinking about this ignoring call to repentance. Even after Joash had strayed from the path that the Lord had marked before him, God, in his mercy, still sent a messenger and warned him and invited him back. I want to do great things, just please. But before reconciliation, before redemption can take place, there has to be repentance. And all the Lord wanted them to do was repent. So God could repair and restore and pour out his spirit. But they didn't want to hear it and they killed the messenger. I believe it's God's will that he wants to pour out his spirit as we rekindle our hearts. I believe it's God's will but I also believe that unless we as individuals and as a church and as a community if we continue to ignore the call to repent it's not going to happen. God wants to bless. He wants to restore. He wants to ignite. But let's not ignore his call to repentance. Listen, I, I believe the the Holy Spirit is convicting even where you are sitting in your own homes today. I, be, I believe the Holy Spirit is, is convicting those who have set their eyes on man and not God. And I believe that the Lord is convicting those who have neglected the strongholds and the Lord is now convicting of people who Hiding spots, hiding places, things that they've hidden in their heart. That's not pleasing to God that God wants us to repent of. I believe the Holy Spirit now is convicting right now those who have surrendered that which is sacred, that which belongs to the Lord, but we have surrendered it to the enemy. God is calling us to repent. You have a choice. You can bow and repent rekindle your heart and let God renew as we want His Spirit to be poured out. Or you can choose not to repent and kill the messenger. (laughs) Turn the computer off. Turn your TV off. Don't come to church anymore. But in rekindling our hearts and seeing the potential of that Joash had, but never reached it because there was no conviction. There was no commitment. And as a result, there were these hindrances, these roadblocks. I pray that you'll take this message to heart as we seek to rekindle our hearts And as we rekindle our hearts, may our lives become a bright light. May our lives become on fire for him. And may we see the greatest outpouring of God's spirit upon our church. Remember, God is in control. And through the life of Joash, through his aunt, She spared, she hid Joash so that the line of David could be preserved so that born to you and I would come a Messiah who would die for our sins. Listen, no matter what you're going through right now, God is in control. Would you just give your life to him? Father, I pray right now that in our homes we would not neglect the strongholds, the hidden places in our lives. And God, I pray that we would stop surrendering that which is sacred to you. And Father, I pray that we would stop ignoring the call to repent. And God, I pray that our eyes would be set on you and not man. God, thank you for this glorious morning, this message, God, that you have spoken to my heart that I can share with the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, see you in person next week. God bless.